All right, it's the penultimate weekend in the college football regular season. We've got some big games, some big teams on Upset Watch on the road. We'll get into all of that and more on the weekend spread. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Spread. I'm Bobby. With me today, as always, we've got Boat and Blake, Ty, and occasionally dropping in Jameson as well. Hey, guys, we're here to pick another slate of games. Very excited for this week. Um, and look, let's let's bring it up. And I know there are probably there's probably a subsect of the podcast uh, listener base that is tired of hearing about the fruity pebble pickle, but it worked. Uh, and I gotta say, OU looks a lot better. I'm horrible at the weekend spread again. Um, and I, you got to point to the pickle. But we we all knew it. It's like the one. It was we knew exactly what was going to happen. Like Bobby was typically bad on weekend spread, but at least his teams were winning in real life. Things were going great, and we just knew it after he broke the promise that the, everything reversed. Something was off about the equi- equilibrium, like in the universe, and. This was just the nice little uh, 180 turn to correct it. So I'm I'm happy that I'm now back on top once again. Uh, thank you, Bobby, for that. But I'm also glad the Sooners are doing well. So at least you you can hang your hat on that. Boomer Blake in full force there, I guess. I don't know. Hey, I was the one. I was all in on him last week. I said, gonna murder him. Boomer Blake knows he he really has his finger to this program. Like he he's boots on the ground, understands everything going on in that locker room. He, basically, my picks when it comes to OU's have just uh, been straight locks this year. So ball nowhere, ball nowhere. But um, yeah, uh, big week to say the least. Um, interesting stuff as well off the field. The Big Twelve. Tough look for the shield, Blake, by the way, before we get into the picks, we have to bring it up. Uh, Had to clarify their tiebreakers because they didn't know what they were. Ty, I I know you've been big against this in our conversation. What was up Mm -hmm. with the shield there? Yeah, so as I understand it, they didn't necessarily clarify the tiebreaker. They just completely changed the rules midseason because their first rule was nonsensical. I mean, don't get me wrong. What they have now settled on you know, taking head-to-head record into account is the better system. The issue is, is just when it became apparent that OU had the advantage over other teams because of the Texas win and because of potentially an Iowa State win, then they went back and saw fit to change the rule. So it does seem to me like it was a pretty, pretty biased. I, I think if the situation had been reversed and Oklahoma State was getting a an advantage because of uh, some sort of other win and we were ignoring the head-to-head, um, I think they probably would have stuck with the current or, or with the original rule, but I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a bakery conference. It, it, this is a classic case of the Big 12, and I'm not trying to get Blake going, but they do something that they think is smart, and it's just not like they don't know what they're doing. It's like they saw you know someone else do something and then they're the cheap Chinese copy of just other conferences. And they're like, Oh, we need a tiebreaker rule. Let's ask chat GPT to write a tiebreaker rule. And then they did. 
And then when it became apparent that, oh, you might have an advantage in spite of having two losses, then they were like, oh, what does this rule actually say? Oh, no, that doesn't work. Like, we need to actually pay attention to this. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I was a little worried about like the blowback and what it would look like on the Big 12, but honestly, just consuming majority of the national media, listening on to podcasts, honestly, like they're praising the Big 12 surprisingly because because of this, just because it ends up being the most fair, most equitable result, which I think bias aside, like most people want. It's like head-to-head record probably should always be the tiebreaker. I'm with you, Ty. Like how it was written made absolutely no sense. It like put a qualifier on the back end of things, like a qualifier on a very general statement. It made, it made no sense, but it's one of those things. It's like, it, it feeds the conspiracy theorist out there. It does like, it does tap into that a little bit, but I think at the end of the day, it's like they came to the correct conclusion, like head to head should be the tiebreaker. Yeah. yeah. And in, like in the important, yeah, the important thing is, Texas is going to win it either way. And I'm going to be screaming SEC at my TV while they do it. And uh, I hope any OU fan that's in the DFW area goes to the game, just get like an SEC shirt or just wear OU gear and just chant SEC the whole time. Uh, Texas fans will join you. Uh, we're in this boat together uh, for the next few months. Yeah, and it is very funny that this decision yeah, just made it like a very unwatchable Big 12 title game. We saw what versus UCF like this OSU team's probably not that good just kind of putting them up the lambs to the slaughter like for Big 12 ratings purposes like OU Texas regardless of the brands like would generate a better game yeah it's it's definitely one of those things where I feel like it was the right move but the pathway to get there was so hilariously bad that you just have to marvel at the incompetency of the conference it was it it was a joke um it's ridiculous but that see, it but I, and it's ridiculous that they gave one explanation and then a couple days did it about a, but i feel like this where is gonna be really one of, wrong it's gonna be one of those things people forget about it in like a year besides ou fans like i think most people it's not gonna like linger in people's minds like i think the with the part that hit the mash like the headline coming out of it necessarily wasn't the fact that they just had the biggest PR blunder of all time, constantly flip-flopping, can't decide, but it was just like they came to the best solution, the best conclusion. So, Agreed. Agreed. Well, all right. Um, I don't think there's a ton to talk about in college football uh, over this past week. We're not going to get into the Harbaugh thing because that's <laughs> dumb. Uh, but... Um, yeah, let's let, before we dive into the slate, let's hear from Jameson, uh, his opening statement as we get this thing started. I know I'm disappointed too. Robo Jameson has to return. Somebody has to be there to keep Bobby accountable as the OSU sleeper agent of the podcast, and it can't be me. So I need Ty and Blake to step up because he's going to run loose if no one keeps him accountable. And me being Robo Jameson is not because I am ashamed and I can't face the spotlight after my really heartbreaking Boko pick. I picked him. I got back on the train. I relapsed. And whenever you relapse, things never go well. And it's a shame. It really is. And I feel really bad because I learned throughout my process and my poor journey of picking Boko that I was toxic towards them and I was negative. 
and I was selfish, and I went back on the boat and tried to get them a win versus the Shants. It hurts, but it was totally worth it. It was worth a shot. Boca, I will continue to support you throughout your journey in first time in a bowl. It's going to be a great season. Don't let this and me take you down. I'm so proud of you all. Yeah, Jamison completely screwed over Boca. I think we can all agree with that. That's yeah, completely botched it. Just to clarify for the listeners, uh, a couple times here and there, Jamison does have work demands and uh, cannot come on the show. This week, he's just too ashamed, uh, so he refused to come on the show. That's the only explanation. He had to be had to be ashamed. Um, <laughs> clearly, clearly. Uh, okay, so let's get into our slate. But before we do that, um, I want to give a, a standings update. Blake has led or has moved into the lead with a great eight and two week last week. He is sitting at sixty five and fifty two. I'm sitting at sixty three and fifty five in second after a four and six disappointing week. A lot of really close misses, but they're still misses. Jamison's third. Uh, 59 and 59 he had a five and six week uh off of that just what weren't two of those losses wild cards am i wrong on that i'm, I'm pretty sure he missed his other one yeah card he too. missed his wild card and his pot of three yeah that the double whammy uh and then ty is sitting in last at uh 56 and 62 so mm-hmm. uh nobody's fully out of or ha- ha- nobody's fate has been sealed yet but people gotta start getting to work here um so let's kick this off with a big yeah, one. I, I, I would just ahead, like to clarify. I, I would like to clarify one game, right? I have an excuse for all of them. You know, since he, I don't know what happened with that. That was just, as if Blake was on something, there, there's some points fixing or, or something there. But I did say on the podcast that if Quinn Ewers played, I wish I could have had a mulligan. And then the second Quinn Ewers was announced, everyone thought I was joking. I was like, oh no, they might not even win. They're certainly not going to cover with Quinn Ewers. And what happened? I got screwed. I went out on one of the best islands in the history of the podcast. And then here comes the Mac Jones of college football (laughs) to ruin my day. So shout out to Quinn Ewers, absolute bum of the week. Jeez. That's, that's hilarious. All right, let's move on to our first game of the week. It's a big PAC 12 battle. I feel like we had Washington. Washington's been kind of a mainstay here. Um, They're ranked fifth. 10-0, and they're heading to Corvallis to take on the Oregon State Beavers, 11th ranked in the country, 8-2, 4-6 against the spread, and they're favored. The Beavs favored against the 10-0 Huskies uh, by 2.5 points. You can find this one, 6.30 Central on ABC. Blake, as the leader in the clubhouse here, you kick us off here. Who do you like? This is an ultimate ball knower game. I love it. Starting off, Pac-12 has just kind of been a ball knower league. And last week, I I knew it. Utah was going to cover that. I don't care about the late miss field goal. I don't care that there was a chance for Washington to cover that one easy at the end of the game. Washington just has not looked impressive. They just allow these kind of middling teams to hang around with them, give them chances to win. It's going to bite him at some point. I called it last week. It didn't happen, but I think it happens this week. I'm taking Oregon State and the Beavs. That, like, Corvallis is one of the most underrated home field advantages, I feel like, in college sports. It's similar uh, to, like, some NC States or what some of those, like, there's quality schools, but they're never elite. So they have, like, they don't get talked about as one of those good home field advantages. 
Corvallis is going to be rocking for this game. I don't care if they have half a stadium. Construction's still not finished. And DJU, really? I, I I think so? Uh, is I think it they still... finished it. No, they, they finished, finished it? it? Okay, finally. I felt like it's been, it felt like years. Because after last year, seeing it be like half a stadium, still rocking, by the way. But Ty's gonna, I know what Ty's gonna say. He's gonna slander DJU, but I'll give you just a little bit of facts about DJU before Ty rips them apart. DJU start off the year horrible. Uh, eight touchdowns, yeah. four interceptions, first four, no, first four games. The last, after the first four games, 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's becoming really efficient, not turning the ball over. That was kind of DJU's biggest, like, hiccup for the longest time. He hasn't turned the ball over in weeks. He's looking great. Give me Oregon State. Ty's letting those biases. Can't, I gotta say it. Right I gotta yep. say it, right? His first couple games, what did he play? Not Pac-12 teams. And then he starts playing in the Pac-12, and all of a sudden he looks good, right? That's all I'm saying. So it has to be accounted for. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I'm I'm so big on Oregon State here. That Corvallis home field advantage is unreal. In fact, they actually have not failed to cover a conference game in Corvallis. The last time they lost a, uh, a game against the spread was two 2019 so it's been a long time a whole the, the world has changed quite a bit then uh since in fact overall they've only lost one game in that time frame and it was to guess who san diego city this year uh in terms of uh you know just from a against the spread perspective but in a game where they're geared up they're fired up massive massive ball game uh i just i, I see that crowd being Next level intense. Washington just has been kind of off the mark. They've been wobbly. I think the chainsaw is going to take them out here. Give me Oregon State uh, minus two and a half. Love, love, love this pick. I loved it. At, obviously loved it when we when they were uh, dogs. But you know, the, Vegas knows what's what's up here. They have been slamming the beeves. I need to go on a slight tangent here. Bobby brings it up, and it was not addressed in just the general college football talking segment. Those bums at San Diego City had to force their coach to retire because they cannot pay the buyout for him to fire him because <laughs> they tried that weird escape plan in the middle of the summer that cost them millions of dollars. So they had to beg this guy to retire, just uh, hoping that he would oblige because that team is broke. That school is broke. They can't afford... The, they can't can't afford to fire a coach who knows that they can hire a coach and it's all because of that little stunt they tried to play leaving the mountain west mountain west strong baby that's how yeah it just oh it made me so happy it made me so happy i knew what they were doing whenever he retired with multiple Brady years hopes, left yeah. on his contract yep yeah it, <sighs> look i i i obviously was on san diego state at, like out of spite but the more and more i really like once i saw brady hoke it'd be like oh god it's Brady Hoke. I totally forgot that his offense is garbage and he in general is garbage. Um, yeah, my optimism, I, I knew I was screwed for that UCLA game later on, but yeah, sayonara, uh, Brady Hoke, you bum, you are not good. Um, all right, Jameson, what's your take on this one? Washington going to Oregon state. I believe in Washington. I see the defense. I get it, but I'm not going to pick them. Even though I think their defense is getting a little bit overhyped, I think that they show up in big games. Oregon State, at home, in cold weather, night game, 
national TV, do not pick against them. It's as simple as that. We've seen it time and time again. Give me Oregon State minus two and a half. I feel like everyone else is going to have similar takes, and this is going to get redundant, superfluous, etc. But you just got to keep it up. All right, Jamison on the beeves here. Ty, who do you like? Look, this spooky beaver thing is when they are underdogs. You guys have like Georgia Tech versus Georgia here, and Georgia Tech is favored for some reason, and they have a failed ACC quarterback, a league where the likes of whatever the Florida State guy's name is and Drake May are lauded as competent quarterbacks. I, I don't want to hear it, right? Washington, not good. Washington, pretty stank, actually. How they beat this Oregon team, I don't know, right? Washington kind of seems like, and again, this is not necessarily a jab at Blake. This is not a bit. This is the best analogy I can come up with. This Washington team making it into the playoffs, if they do, it's kind of like last year's TCU team. They're pretty good, and they just make sure that they take advantage of things uh, when things are there. I think, I think, you know, TCU's quarterback last year a little bit better than Michael Penix Jr., if you ask me. But, um, yeah, I like the Huskies in this one. I've been on the Huskies all year. It's burned me a little bit. It's helped me a little bit. They're 5-5 five and five against the spread. I think I'm about 50% picking them. I like the Huskies in this one as they – like objectively like all bits aside obviously this season i've been the the worst at picking games but you're talking about the number five team in the nation versus a two loss team that's not even in the running for their their conference and the number five team that's undefeated with a heisman candidate quarterback is the underdogs give me the points there all day give me the huskies okay ty is on an island with the huskies there all right moving on to our next game massive matt well was massive in preseason, not so much now. It's the number one, newly christened, you know, they moved back up. Number one, Georgia Bulldogs, 10 and 0, 4 and 6 against the spread. They're heading to Rocky Top to take on the 18th ranked Tennessee Volunteers, 7 and 3, 6 and 4 against the spread, fresh off of a really, really brutal loss to the Missouri Tigers. Uh, just not the same team as before. Uh, Bulldogs favored by 10 and a half here. You can find this one 2.30 p.m. Central on CBS. Uh, Ty, who do you like? Yeah, I think this one is simple, right? We just saw what Georgia did against Ole Miss this past week. I think we have finally started to see this Georgia team click a little bit here. Tennessee, I don't know what's going on, right? I, I have to speculate that Heupel is potentially throwing games uh, so that he doesn't get hired by Oklahoma. Understandable at this point. But I don't know. I have to go with the dogs. I, I understand one of you might bring up the fact that Bama has already locked up that, that Western slot in the SEC championship, and there is high, high, high potential for look-ahead from Georgia, especially if they're looking at this Tennessee team coming in going, these guys just lost to Missouri. I'm not worried about them. I'm looking to, you know, three-peat the natty. I'm looking to win the SEC I understand that all those things are here. I understand Georgia's been below expectations a little bit this year. I think most teams have been. And then, you know, look at the against the spread. Obviously, Vegas has had a hard time really getting a read on this Georgia team uh, this year. I don't think anyone in any sort of computer models was predicting um, what that Ole Miss game would turn into. I don't think they're going to necessarily replicate that. I don't think Tennessee's that tough of a place to play. That's a bit, but that's also serious. Give me the dogs in this one. I think this might be one of their biggest tests all year. 
but I like them minus 10 and a half. Okay, I like it. Jameson? Tennessee at home as a 10 and a half point dog versus Georgia. The way Tennessee played versus Missouri is absolutely unacceptable. And I understand Tennessee is a different team at home. But I just don't know how you can come back from that and cover the spread versus Georgia team. Georgia team is coming into full-on form right now. And it's going to be hard to stop. Give me Georgia 14 points. It's something that I feel like is an easy pick. And it's going to be another classic schooner pod Georgia across the board. Did he just go Georgia 14? Anyways, I I, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, we if don't he have that a sponsor. If he likes, we don't, <laughs> yeah, we don't have a sponsor, so we kind of we're all over the place on on books, I guess. In terms of hey, if he lines. loves it at 14, he'll love it at 10, 10 and a half. Look, so. <laughs> the weekend spreadsheet is is the gospel on this one, but um, which oh. he had when he made these picks, which he had. Yeah, I, I know. Um, look, this is a tricky one. Um, I, I think it's trickier than people think because, yeah, look, Tennessee looked brutal last week. Um, they do not look like the same team. And yeah, they got whooped last year. I don't know, guys. I, I think I might take the cheese on this one and go with the Vols plus 10 and a half. Georgia hasn't really played um, outside of this, really outside of uh, Georgia at all. Um, they've only had two road games. One of them's Vanderbilt. That doesn't count. <laughs> uh, and the other one was at Auburn and they escaped with a win. So to me, I feel like they haven't been experienced in a crazy loud environment. This is a pretty intense rivalry game. I just look Georgia. Georgia might win this one by ten. That that half number is scaring me a bit, and I just I, I don't know if I love them to pull away and dominate Tennessee, um, you know, on the road like that. So I'm gonna go out on a limb and go with with the Vols plus ten and a half. I, I think this one could be a bit sloppy, but we'll see how it goes. Blake, what are your thoughts? Yeah, there is a model here. This is a model play. If you get blown out by Missouri, you are not a good team. Tennessee is not a good team. Joe Milton, what a bust. What a bust. We kind of knew it going into the season, but then they showed the videos of him at the Orange Bowl throwing an orange like 120 yards, and people were like, this guy must be good. He has no accuracy. He has no like touch or feel on the ball that he can like give it just like the perfect amount of like power to get it to the receivers. He's just throwing bullets out there that nobody can catch. This one is easy. This is a good, just Bobby's on an Island, but we're going to feast. This is, it's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath. Like Bobby's talking about how Georgia doesn't have any good, hasn't gone on the road yet, but have you looked at whose Tennessee best win is? Is it Texas A&M who just fired uh, their coach and only beat them by seven? Or is it uh, Kentucky who, yeah, we, we know about Kentucky. Like, we've always been Kentucky truthers. They're really not that good. Every good team or some team that can, like, form a semblance of a football team has just, like, rolled over and just smashed, like, smashed this uh this Tennessee team. They're not good. They're not good at home. They're not good on the road. They're just not a good team. They're one of those SEC teams that is fortunate enough, the fact that they play in the SEC, that the number next to their name is, sh is a little bit higher than it probably should. Tennessee should not be a ranked team, nor should Ole Miss. Like, these teams are really not that good. Just the SEC is kind of poor this year, but Georgia's going to smash them. Like, Carson Beck's a great quarterback. Yeah, they're just going to smash them. 
All right, I'm riding on Volunteer Island here. That's fine. Uh, let's dive into the Big 12 schedule. And we're starting with UCF, 5-5 five and five overall, 4-6 and six against the spread. Fresh off of a massive, just absolute beatdown of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Well, they're heading to Lubbock to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, 5-5 five and five overall, and against the spread, who also got an upset of their own, beating the, the uh, Kansas Jayhawks in Lawrence. Uh, Red Raiders favored by three here. You can find this one 4 p.m. Central. Weird start time on FS2. Wow. Bizarre. Uh, Blake, kick us off here. Who do you like? Uh, I throw out last week. Just throw it out. I'm not, I still do not trust in this UCF team. I don't get what it is. I don't know what weird magic they have. The space uniforms, although they're not a space school, Something we might need to start studying. Like, if they put together another data point against a decent school that they could be playing, like, so bad the entire year and then just decide to, oh, we're just going to ramp it up randomly against OSU when we wear these space uniforms. It needs to be studied. I need to know. But when it comes to this game, I'm going just back to the assumption that UCF is not good. They're not good at all. Taj Brooks, although I thought Kansas actually did a pretty good job, shows promise. I love him. He's a big-bodied back that just seems to bounce off of everybody. Uh, he's he's fantastic to watch. I think Bobby's model comes into play here. Give me Tech, minus three. Yeah, we're going back to the model on this one. Um, I got to say, I didn't do a lot of things right last week, but I absolutely was all over that uh, UCF-OSU game. Uh, I thought UCF would have the juice thought osu would have a hangover and good lord did they ever um but that being said you know i feel like the circumstances that led to that win aren't the same when you're having to go out to little lubbock texas you know when, when you make the move to the big 12 you're thinking of glamorous big time programs big locations you're not thinking about going to lubbock uh and i think ucf's going to come out a little bit flat here i think texas tech is one of those teams right now they've They've really grown into this team that's gritty, solid, gets gets wins, you know, not like they, they've been able to win tough situations, gross football games. And I, I give them credit for that. And I kind of think that's what this one's going to be. Um, so I'm going to go tech minus three at home here uh, in what will probably be a very weird one. All right, let's kick it to Jameson and see what he has to say at home minus three versus central florida it's as simple as this and i want to hear from you blake i'll give you some time to respond can you tell the podcast who the starting quarterback is for the texas tech football team he actually yeah? wants you to respond did you say it i i, I can't hear you i have no idea is it bear morton i don't think he's gonna say it yeah it's baron morton I don't know if you said it or not, but Baron Morton, you see Baron Morton, you pick Baron Morton, got the upset versus Kansas. I don't care what UCF did versus Oklahoma State last week. Space unis, not anymore. Baron Morton is the truth. Give me Texas Tech minus three here. I know, I know I'm kind of dissing on my own pick because I chose Tech 2, but Tech, like, wiped out Jason Bean and, like, still almost lost that game. Like, it had to go to a last-second field goal. Like, it wasn't, like, it, it wasn't like Baron Morton took over that game. It just absolutely crushed Kansas in, like, a horrible spot. Like, after a couple big Hail Marys, too. They got really lucky there. And a, yeah. a lot of it was Leipold being way too cute with a whole bunch of stuff. So, I don't know. 
Ty, what do you think about the uh, about this game? Yeah, no, I think Blake's on to something with these with these uh, space uniforms. Again, we're going to put that in parentheses uh, because we've yet to see any evidence of UCF uh, having any any claim to space whatsoever, let alone being Space University. I, I think we've established they're about I, they're not even in the others receiving votes category of uh, of that debate, um, as we all know. I think there is something to those uniforms, though, right? I, I'm going to use my time on these uniforms, right? Nike makes the uniforms. We love capitalism, consumerism. I think there's a consumerist conspiracy here for alternate uniforms to do well, to foot, like manipulate people into purchasing them. It's the same thing with OU. We don't need alternate uniforms. Maybe we do because we're not good anymore, so maybe we need that to recruit, but they just want people to buy. And I, there's got to be some sort of conspiracy between Nike Nike shareholders and getting OSU to throw the game uh, so that people buy more of the merchandise. It's got to be what it is. No other possible explanation. Texas Tech's going to win this game. Texas Tech's going to cover this game. They don't have cactuses there. I don't know why that's a thing. Uh, it still doesn't make sense not to broach the onion thing. We don't know what's going on with the onion thing with TCU. Maybe it'll come up later, but it makes about as much sense as the cactus thing for Texas Tech. Give me the Red Raiders. Yeah, genuinely shocking. I have no idea how nobody knows what's going on with the Onion. Very weird stuff. Very weird stuff um, going on on, uh, I guess, I rate eight Twitter. Uh, but all right, let's move on to our next one. It is a Big East classic uh, to the Cincinnati Bearcats. Three and seven, uh, five and six against the spread. Just got their first Big 12 win in Houston. Good for them. Good for the Bearcats. Uh, they're heading to Morgantown to take on the West Virginia Mountaineers, uh, six and four overall and against the spread. Uh, they just went to Norman, took a pretty big loss. Um, they look to bounce back at home. They're favored by seven. The Mountaineers are. Find this one, 1.30 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. Ty, who do you like? Right. We're getting near the end of the season. We have a ton of data points. I think Blake, in an earlier take, said it best throw out last week. Let's throw out these outlier data points. Let's look at the data that we have. This one is clear West Virginia. Give me West Virginia, West Virginia at home. West Virginia, obviously, you know, if you watch the OU game, they still have fight in them. They still have something to play for. This is going to be a game, you know, they're not on the way out. This is going to be a game that they continue to play. Cincinnati, obviously their best big 12 performance in school history uh, so far last week, but give me the Mountaineers minus seven at home. I think going into Morgantown is worth at least seven points. Give me the Mountaineers. That's fair. I think that's good analysis. Let's kick it to Jameson. See what he has to say. It's going to Ames. Seven and a half point favorites. That was uh, not the video. Uh-oh. Hold on a sec, folks. Uh, let's get that going right. I'll, we'll, we'll loop back to Jameson while I figure things out. But Ty, um, I agree with you. I, I think... We can't, I, I think with this situation, you can't look too much into, you know, West Virginia kind of ran, ran, ran into a buzzsaw here with how good OU was, um, how fired up the Sooners were. And they clearly looked like they, they had something to prove. And to me, I feel like you can't, and you can't put too much of an indictment on West Virginia for that. Um, since he looked good, they're fired up that, Houston win was probably their one chance, but to, to get a win and they got it. Houston notoriously doesn't really get up for those sort of things. 
Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Mountaineers by seven at home. I feel like that's that's a very solid pick here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's let's see if we can pull Jameson up here. Yeah, so we can get this right. Virginia seven point James. favorites at home versus Cincinnati. Yeah. And I understand people are going to be trying to ride momentum here. West Virginia, they're going to be like, oh, they weren't that good of a football team. Look what they just did to Oklahoma. They didn't do anything. They got blown out. Cincinnati, they're actually kind of being scrappy. I know what I know, and I know that Cincinnati isn't as good as what they've shown. They've just done this versus horrible teams. I'm, I'm not buying this. West Virginia got put in a bad situation. They're still a very good football team. And they went on the road to Oklahoma in a position where Oklahoma needed this win more than anything in a big, substantial win to get the locker room under control and then get the fans under control. And they did just that. And it's tough because West Virginia is a football team that I feel like they do really good at controlling the momentum and playing ahead. They do not do well playing from behind. And it just made the situation worse as Oklahoma got off to a quick lead after the seven points first scored by West Virginia. I think West Virginia can control the momentum of this game and kind of run away slowly. I guess jog away from the Cincinnati football team win by 10 points. That's funny. Um, okay. Blake, finally, it is your turn after I got the uh, technical difficulties out of the way. Yeah, I hate to make this boring, but West Virginia. It's it's I took I took Cincinnati last week because it was a weird line, weird energy. Whenever I sense that weird energy, I'm going with what feels different. What feels because typically like Vegas knows something, I guess, a little bit more than what you do. Because even though we watch all these games, it just it feels like sometimes they'll throw out that line out there where it feels like a slam dunk. Honestly, that was about to beat me last week versus uh with uh UCF uh, OSU I was about to be like why don't instead of betting money across multiple games I just put all that money on OSU because they're going to kill UCF because this line seems so easy those are deceptives those are traps you should always probably take the trap side but yeah the thing is okay West Virginia I think has been very fortunate this year. They're definitely, I think they're punching a little bit above their weight. I don't think that defense is as good as advertised when you have wins against like Texas Tech and you hold them to nothing, but it's because they didn't really have a quarterback. They've had some favorable circumstances go their way, but the one thing they do well is beat up on these newcomer Big 12 schools. I'm excited for this football matchup in the new Big 12. I think this is going to be a budding rivalry. They can they can be the new schools that have a chance to go choose uh, their own rivalry name, even though one might already exist for them. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be West Virginia. Like, they've done against UCF. They've done against Cincinnati. And I believe they also did against BYU. Like, they've – have they played all of the UCF – yeah, uh, yeah, they uh, yeah, they have. They've played all the newcomer Big 12 schools. They got the weird thing happening in Houston, but I could chalk that one up to an outlier. Give me West Virginia. All right. It's a sweep for the Mountaineers. Uh, that is, I believe, our second sweep. Or, yeah, no, our second sweep of the go. So, um, also, by the way, this was supposed to be Texas. Uh, StreamYard threw my little things out of order. So, now we're going to go in with the seventh-ranked Texas Longhorns, nine and one overall, four and six against the spread, heading to Ames, Iowa, at night where things can get a little bit spooky. And look, if you're a Sooner fan, 
You're kind of hoping this one breaks the right way. You're kind of hoping for some weird Big 12 ref antics. Oh, let's let's be let's be frank, folks. OU needs a upset here. Uh, Iowa State six and four overall and against the spread. Uh, Horns favored by seven and a half. You can find this one seven p.m. Central on Fox. Um, Blake, who do you like? Yeah, this one's easy for me. Give me Iowa State. I think Iowa State's a solid team. I think they play well in Ames. I think it's something like crazy. It's like five of the last six or maybe four of the last five times Texas has gone into Ames. Like, they've lost. I think they, like, Iowa State has their number when they are in Ames. Seven and a half is plenty of points. And considering what I saw from Texas last week where I honestly, like, the game was really close, but they were, like, they were killing TCU. Like, TCU did not move the ball for about three quarters, then decided to turn on in the fourth quarter, which is a whole other frustration for me. But we're not going to dive into that right now. But it shows this team just still doesn't have the ability to put their, like, Put your foot on the gas and just run over these teams. It just seems like Texas always struggles with that. They just can't blow, besides Kansas, like this year, they just don't blow teams out. They just seem to allow them to come back. They plod along. I don't like that energy. I don't, like, and Ty might be on to something. It's not on to something with the Quinn Ewers thing. It, it scares me that he's coming back in the sense that's like, why? Like, you're a really hype prospect. You've been around for a long time. I know it's a loaded QB class, but we've seen this before. It's like, these guys will fall. They'll come back for another year and fall. Like, it's it's Justin Herbert 2.0. Uh, Justin Herbert has obviously done well, but, like, he was supposed to be the consensus number one overall pick easy the next year when he decided to come back and slid. I'm getting similar Quinn Ewer vibes with not as much talent. So I'm going to take Iowa State. Blake, I'm right there with you, buddy. Everyone, this is the least shocking pick of, probably the least shocking pick of the entire uh, slate for me, um, that I would be on Iowa State plus seven and a half. And let's be honest, Texas has just been playing with their food, and I think they're going to keep playing with their food. This is a really tough situation. Iowa State is a really solid, hard-nosed football team. We saw it last week where they beat the doors off of BYU in Provo. And, you know, Texas just, they don't have that same energy. Not only that, but they're missing Jonathan Brooks for the season with an ACL tear. And look, in the series, people forget Iowa State had a guy bet against his own team and lost. They had people <laughs> betting betting on their own team to lose and still lost. Like, Texas still lost. So my thing is, I, Iowa State, I just, I, I'm feeling the energy here. I, I feel like Ames is a really brutal place to play on the road. And... I think they're going to get it done. They've had a really like tumultuous, uh, tumultuous season. They've had a really brutal season and they need, they need this to really hammer down a bull bid as well. So, or they might actually already be bull eligible. I'm not sure, but um, they need this. They regardless, they need this one. They want this one. This is a massive game for them. And I think they at least cover the spread here. Um, I could see Texas squeaking this one out, but I don't know. I, I'm riding with the Cyclones here. Let's see what Jameson says. It's. I think that most people are going to see seven and a half. They're going to be scared of that number. People don't like picking minus seven and a halves. 
They're also going to look at Iowa State saying, oh, they could spoil Texas's chances to get to the Big 12 championship. Might pick that side. Also, OU football um, fans on this uh, podcast might want to pick that side. Also, Jonathan Brooks, ACL, the TCU performance in the second half. I'm going away from that, and I think Texas handles Iowa State. I've not been a big believer in what Iowa State has put out the second half of the season. They showed some things earlier on versus teams that we've realized have not really been that good of a football program. And now they play Texas in a time and position where Texas really needs to show out and show out big time with their quarterback second week off injury. I think things come into form and Quinn Ewers rides the momentum of his announcement saying that he's coming back for another season. And Texas wins by 17 plus. Come on, Jameson. Wow. Oh, Come on, Jameson. Ball. No. Come on. Ball, not oh, nowhere, no. Jameson. He's been all over Rocco backed. Anytime Iowa State comes up, it's Rocco backed, Rocco backed. That's all Jameson has been. And then now he comes on. He does his little videos. He always does this, like, <laughs> says stuff that he just passes off as, like, oh, this is a nothing comment. He's been all over Iowa State, like, this entire second half. He's like, I've not been impressed with Iowa State's second half. You've been all over Rocco Becht. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. It's just a classic ball-not-knower take. And we, we kind of exposed that last week with his record, so. All right, Ty, I, who do you like here? Look, I'm in a terrible position here because I need a, I need a couple offsets from Jameson. I cannot count on the wild cards. I need a couple games to offset from Jameson. I was really hoping he was going to go with y'all with Iowa State here. The smart thing for my game, I think, is to listen to y'all because y'all have obviously known these teams a little bit better this season. Go with Iowa State. I zagged from Jameson. I increased my chances of not being at the bottom. But I just can't do it, right? I'm with the horns. And here's why. Like, the storyline is perfect. Quinn Ewers is committed to ruining both his own career and the future of this Texas program by returning, it's amazing. It, it's like it could not be scripted more beautifully, the artistry of this. Because where have we seen this story arc before? The coward, too afraid to move on to the NFL, too afraid to take the next step, too afraid to jump into that bigger pond and prove themselves. That's right, Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell, the OG coward who did amazing things originally at Iowa State and then was too afraid to push himself, decided to stay where he's comfortable, and now his little empire of 6 a.m. chili is crumbling around him as his own fans scream at him in a state where you can literally just win like six games a year and have permanent tenure as a head football coach, even if you're abysmal at your job. It's insane. Quinn Ewers, same story arc. He knows that he doesn't have it. He's afraid. He's staying where he's comfortable. He's going to cause Arch Manning to transfer, hopefully to USC. I, I genuinely hope he goes to USC. That would be really cool to watch, I think. Or maybe Colorado. I don't know. That might be crazy to oh watch God. as well. No, 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 no. <laughs> I will wish I that stop evil it there. I stop football. it. I, 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 I stop evil. it there. No. The we cannot have ESPN NIL deal. He gets a hundred uh, million dollar deal from ESPN. ESPN bets now a thing. It. I get their ads every yeah. two tweets on uh on or I guess X or whatever it's called now. Yeah. But all right, well I here's still call it tweets. Yeah. Here's my alt thing in closing, my alternate talking point on this one. The Red River game permanently scarred both of OU and Texas. We both just left that reeling, unable to do anything. Teams completely changed afterwards. 
We just saw OU bounce back. I think Texas bounces back here. I think they handle this one pretty firmly. Give me the horns, minus seven and a half in Ames. Ty's got a point. Boomer Blake might need to get in the lab to like to start formulating the take that it would probably have been better for OU to lose oh my God. the Red River rivalry <laughs> instead of win, and that might have reversed kind of the fortunes of their season. Oh, that, that one's a good one. Oh, I need to get in the lab with that one. Blake, you need to hop on Sooner Scoop and start like putting out some message board geniuses level like threads out there. Like, it, I'm just saying, like the idea of like, well, they they made too many videos about how to beat Texas, and that's yeah. why they're bad. No, that know? is. They celebrated a little too hard. The T-shirts afterwards. The it, it felt like a little too much focus on the business opportunity, the media angle. We there, there is some truth in that. Like Colorado, I don't like, know about look you. at their season. We, went, we started playing for clicks. It's just, yeah. it was, Blake and I would tear up the message boards. Like earlier today, <laughs> I was genuinely calling for OU to flat out refuse to give away seats at all at any game ever, <laughs> um, even if it meant not going to the SEC. I'll, I'll go to the MAC if it means we don't have to give away seats to anyone. That's so bad. That's such a bad take. I love it. Let's move on to our next game. Uh, it's a 23rd ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys, seven and three, six and four against the spread. Um, fresh off of an embarrass, just a flat out embarrassment of a game against UCF. Uh, I'm not sure if Mike Gundy's bothered or not. He brought his he brought his dogs to the press conference. I, he's doing Mike Gundy stuff. He's, he's not he's bothered by anything. Like he was not bothered when they lost to South Alabama when you should. <laughs> like <laughs> he, he probably just wanted a contract. He, he got his contract extension. He's probably good now. Well, anyways, they're traveling to Houston to take on the Houston Cougars, who frankly are one of the most confusing teams in the Big Twelve by far. They're four and six, five and five against the spread. This team's all over the place. Uh, Pokes favored by uh, just seven here on the road. Uh, you can find this one's uh, 3 p.m. Central on ESPN2. Uh, Ty, kick us off here. Who do you like? Yeah, I mean, it, so this is funny because I know exactly what Mike Gundy has been doing all week. He would never go to Texas A&M, but a thousand percent chance he's been checking his email and his voicemails every day and being like, huh, A&M hasn't reached out yet. That's weird. Um, I think it, like Houston might straight up win this one. This would be one of those takes. I wish Jameson was here for this because he'd be like, oh, Ty can't do that. Ty can't do that. I think Houston might just straight up win this game. But I also have to look at the fact that Houston really hasn't done it. Like what Houston has to flex in reality is just like, oh, like they almost didn't lose to Texas. Like that's pretty much what they've been hanging their hat. Like, yeah, they beat West Virginia you know, kind of an upset. I don't think them beating Baylor was an upset. In all honesty, we'll get into Baylor here in a second. But I don't know that Houston's really – I'm not a big quality loss guy. I've kind of changed my tune on quality losses. I think it's weird to flex like, oh, we lost this game. Give me Oklahoma State. Uh, look, this dude they have it running back, right, is the spirit Halloween costume version of Chuba Hubbard. No one should ever use his name in Heisman in the same sentence, ever. But I think Oklahoma State has the tools here where I have to go with them minus seven. All right, let's kick it to Jameson here. I think this is it. West Virginia, seven. No. 
Houston has seven point dogs versus Oklahoma State. Oh my God. There's no way I can pick Houston. I love my Donovan Smith. I really do. But my God, they've just looked horrible recently. I thought I saw something whenever they kept it with Texas close and honestly could have won that football game to begin with. But Oklahoma State, they had the hangover, and I hate talking about hangovers. I think it's a very overblown thing in college football, but that was truly a hangover um, versus UCF. I think they can just kick it back into gear in the way that they're set up. They should be able to handle Houston's football team very easily. Seven points, I feel like, is an insult to this Oklahoma State football team. They'll bump right back into gear. They won't be at the same point that they were after the OU game, but it's okay. They'll still be a good football team. He went with uh, Oklahoma State there. Uh, minus seven. Um, oh, I hate this because Houston is completely untrustworthy one way or the other. And I feel like no matter what I pick, I'm going to go the wrong way on it. Um, and honestly, what, what what's probably going to happen is I'm going to pick... I So look, Mike Gundy's really good at bouncing back. I feel like he's had disappointed losses in the past, and they always seem to recover. South Alabama, uh, obviously being uh, one of one of the main ones, uh, that, that run against South Alabama and Iowa State was pretty poor. But... He's good at turning his team around. But that being said, I could absolutely see a world where this one is messy, a disaster. This Oklahoma State team defensively um, has a lot of issues that I think people aren't really calling out. And Donovan's, Donovan Smith could be the guy to do it. But also, he was awful last week uh, against Cincinnati. So I'm going to go Oklahoma State minus seven. I don't love it. I don't love either side of this. What's probably going to happen is Houston's going to cover and lose. Like this is like feels like an Oklahoma State by a field goal game. But I just I genuinely can't pick them. I, I I don't trust them. I think the Cowboys bounce back, but I don't know. It's this this one's gross. Blake, oh, I'm I'm getting bored of all this consensus, and I'm like. Oh. I'm going with Bobby. Bobby's last point. I think it's a Oklahoma State like three point win, and Houston somehow covers. This just feels like there's something up, and it just like I feel like no matter how much the rigging, the other things going to happen, the inevitable is going to happen. It's going to be OU Texas, and I'm not saying OSU slips up now, but it quite possibly like after. I ignored the data point with UCF when I was picking UCF, but now I'm very much considering it against Oklahoma State. A team that went to Florida playing in the middle of the day and didn't bring rain gear? What are, what are we doing? It's like the one consistency about Florida is it's always raining in the afternoon, and you don't bring rain gear. I feel like Dana Holgerson kind of being an Oklahoma State disciple. There's a little bit, there's connections there. And it just like this one, I get lured every single year. I think it was a few years ago I got lured in. It was like Oklahoma State, Tulsa. Put the biggest bet of my life in on Oklahoma State. I think they barely covered, but really struggled. Like it always seems, something about Oklahoma State, because they have that potential to be really good, lures me in. And they just always underperform in those games. 
I'm going Houston. I'm going Houston. I think Donovan Smith keeps it close. I think Dana Holgerson has that system that can keep it close with Mike Gundy. This just feels like it's one of those trappy games. It's like, the one thing I think underrated about Cincinnati is they have a decent defense. I don't think it's a great defense, but a decent defense. I think you you hit the nail on the head, or ham, yeah, nail on the head, Bobby. I just, that Oklahoma State defense feels like it has a lot of gaps. It has a lot of gaps. So I'm going to use my mulligan here because that entire explanation that I had, like, clearly pointed to a Houston cover. And the more and more I'm thinking about it, the more and more that makes zero sense to... I, I literally gave an entire explanation of why I think Houston's going to cover. I shouldn't go against that. I'm going, I'm, I'm switching to Houston plus seven. Houston has that dog in them right now. I saw one of their players was like, they an article came out that like a lot of schools are tampering with one of their players, trying to get them into the portal, stuff like that. And he like responded to the tweet. He's like, adversity is a part of life. Like you have to go through this. Like things aren't always going to be great. Like I'm still focused on winning here. I, I appreciate that. I, I think Houston has that. Like I don't think Dana Holgerson, he's obviously not the guy, and he's probably going to get fired. But I feel like they they aren't like Baylor and have quit on their coach. I feel like they're actually still there, like trying to they're win scrapping. games. Yeah, they're scrapping. Like not successfully at times, but they're scrapping. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this as well. They can make a bowl game still. You know, they're, they're, they're still scrapping for bowl eligibility. Houston yeah. has a lot to play for. OSU, I don't know. We'll see if they bounce back or not. But, you know, I just feel like OSU, when they're not an underdog, just never looks the same. They look kind of lackadaisical. They don't know how to be. They don't know how to be the hunted. They're they're just they're too good at being the hunter. You know, and yep. it, ain't, it ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun. Mm. So anyways, uh, let's move on to our next game. And Blake, I re I rearranged the schedule just so you can I knew it. I knew it. I was like, I, I knew. I, I was. I knew you were gonna add, say like, I. I just thought because I'm like, there's no way I just become the first person to choose this game with the revivalry I mean, on the line. The re what are you talking about? What What's the revivalry? This is the blue bonnet battle, Blake. It's it's the Baylor Bears. It's your two alma maters uh, joined together in, in harmony, playing for like this, you know, Mardell, you know, Hobby Lobby looking, you know, centerpiece thing. It's the Baylor Bears, uh, three and seven overall, three and six against the spread. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think I think they're four and six <laughs> against the spread by my records. Uh, they're four and six against the spread. Um Dave Aranda's already talking, like making firing references right now. He he, he knows yeah, he knows what's coming. He he's a dead man walking. They're heading to Amon G. Carter to take on the uh, TCU Horn Frogs, uh, site of the Armed Forces Bowl, by the way, revisiting the it old is. stomping grounds. Um, taking on the TCU Horn Frogs, who are, um, I I mean, they have a pulse still. Confusing. Yeah, confusing. Texas. They're um, they're a confusing team. They are four and six overall, and against the spread. Frogs favored by 13. You can find this one 2.30 p.m. Central on ESPN+. Plus. All right, Blake, let's just go ahead. I, I got to ask you just before you get into your pick, what the hell is up with the Blue Bonnet, like, battle BS? Yeah, like, I was going to launch into it regardless, so thank you, Bobby, for giving me that alley-oop. It's... It hurts because when you're going through college and SB elections come up, you're just like, I don't care. 
really don't get, like, they can't do anything, they can't really affect my life, like, they put, like, at TCU, one of the things, like, the biggest running point was, like, better toilet paper in the bathrooms and stuff like that, it's, like, it's dumb stuff, you don't think it'll affect your life, you don't think it'll affect any broader spectrum besides that bubble when you're there, and usually, like, when you're voting on them, it's, like, typically, like, you're about out of college, so it doesn't matter. Somehow, SBA found a a discreet power that they didn't have to completely rename a rivalry, which we had already named. It was the Revivalry. We probably needed a trophy. That's what should have been voted on, but we did not need a new name. Everybody liked the Revivalry. Nobody was trying to put out any of this, like, misinformation that it was anything but that. But then we get to about two weeks ago when some Baylor student organization put out a logo for the Blue Bonnet Battle. It was the only time we'd ever seen this reference. We thought it was crazy. We're like, ha, 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 they made a logo. They tried to rename it. It's nothing. Like, we, I sent it in the, I sent it in our group text, and I was like, like, this is funny, like, get rid of this, and I thought I was gonna be the end of it, but no! <laughs> to, uh, what I didn't know was two student governments were collaborating together to put out the worst name in, or actually it's not the worst, because I think there's some running conceptions of Oregon, Oregon State not being the Civil War, it's gonna be something bad, and so it might not be the worst, but Blue Bonnets, I'm not really mad about that. I don't, I'm not mad about the flower. It's a Texas State flower, but the revivalry was so good because of the religious connection, the connection to the actual sports teams where Baylor left and TCU got left behind and then it comes back together. They had so many options there and I saw like this Twitter post floating out there for like potential ideas for a new I guess Blue Bonnet Battle Trophy but Revivalry Trophy and one of them was a bronze fire extinguisher which makes so much sense because the fact that TCU and Baylor were in the same city in Waco before Baylor burned down TCU's campus like there's so much history there that can make an elite, like, I know a lot of college football trophies have significance because they've been around for a long time and it's hard to create new ones, like, you don't want a civil conflict, but that would be so perfect because the history is baked into the trophy regardless of it being new, but we got some, Ty said it perfectly, an Etsy-ass-looking trophy that got filtered by the cheapest. It looks so bad. I know the Baylor student body president was on there raving about how it's 40 pounds heavy. I don't care. It has the weird, like, Joanna Gaines textured, faded, like team on it it's just not a timeless trophy it's something you give out quickly at a bowl game it's like build something cool something great something that i i will get this about tcu and texas tech the battle for the saddle is cool because you get a big saddle that they put a brand whenever you win on the side like that's a cool trophy it's so easy and like the saddle was it, or it was in the 60s and 70s but then lost and then they brought it back and it's a cool trophy this one sucks but to get to the game, to get to the game, TCU owns Baylor. That is the one thing we know throughout the history of time. I know 2014 happened, but ever since then, it has been domination after domination after domination after domination. It just, even last year, they had their chance. They had the win in the grasp. They can't allow it to happen. The one thing I do know is TCU always beats Baylor. And, boys, the Emperor Zergs. We brought them out. I won it against Texas. We probably would have won the game against Texas, but we brought them out. The Emperor Zergs are our automatic win whenever we bring those bad boys out at home. It just, 
this is this is an easy one. This is easy. Baylor has quit on their coach. It's sad. I like Dave Aranda as a guy, but they've quit on him. They're done. They're getting cranked by inferior teams. TCU still somewhat has a pulse, which is weird, but they have a pulse. They're still trying, regardless of Kendall Bryles' horrible play calling, Joe Gillespie's horrible defensive scheme. Like, there's a, like, I want both coordinators gone, but there's a pulse there. So give me the team with the pulse. Give me TCU. I know that was long, but damn. You can't put out the blue bonnet battle and me not say anything about it. It's no, so bad. And, you know, we needed the rant. We really did. Uh, it's atrocious. And rivalry rivalries need to understand that you have to have the trophy be cool and not just like this stupid, like, advanced plaque or something. It has yes, to be and, fun. And I don't even think we, like, if we didn't have a trophy at the end of the day, I think it's fine. Like, I think everybody knew it was a rivalry. It was called the revivalry. And I don't think people were like, we need a trophy. Like, it's just... It sucks that they introduce new name and then they actually put a trophy to the new name. It's it just it makes it just ignores the history of the two schools like completely. It's just a bunch of bland corporate garbage, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And, Amen. You know, <laughs> no no pun intended with the revivalry. Um, and you you don't have to put like you know play for like a giant cross or like a anything. It could yeah. be like a bronze kolache. I don't know. Have a little bit of I would fun love that it. so much more. Like, if it's funny and, like, weird, I like that. But this isn't yeah. funny, nor it's weird, nor it's cool, it's nor boring. it doesn't look good. Yeah, it's everything bad about – like, I – I what is it? The Floyd of uh, – The Floyd of Rosedale. The pig. Yeah, like, fun. It's a pig. Or, like, the Paul Bunyan's, like, axe. Or, like, even Paul Bunyan himself. Like, I think those are fun, like, weird things. Hat. Like. Mm -hmm. I think that's the one thing the Big Ten does well is they just decide to make trophies for everything, and they're, like, fun, weird trophies. And so I like that. Like, if, if you're going to introduce trophies, at least make them weird. Well, like, all of those trophies were built in, like, the 20s when they were weird, yeah. allowed to be weird and funky. And I, I don't know. Everything's too buttoned up. You need to just be able to create something cool. You know who did do something cool was Louisville and or Louisville and uh, Miami doing the how, uh, the Schnellenberger Trophy with the boots. Like that's great. That is yeah. a great trophy. You have to be creative. Just don't go with this boring garbage. Every it, it, it sucks every time, and nobody ever learns their lesson. Make a giant bronze kolache or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, Just, it's go ahead, Ty. I was gonna say it, it is kind of understandable, right? That that TCU and Baylor adopted this because. You can't trust anything Baylor comes up with. And then, of course, TCU wasn't going to understand anything about Texas history. I mean, I, this is real math. This is real math. 18% of their student yeah. bodies from California, right? I think higher. No, I higher, bet it's, I bet higher, it's higher. higher. No, I bet it's yeah. higher in the student government. I think they're all, they're all Californians. They don't know anything about Texas, right? It's They're ruining it. Uh, for for everyone else, I wish they would ruin Waco. Waco deserves it, but yeah, it, no. See, that's where I don't come up with anything. The Waco don't slander not, doesn't oh hit God, the same. Don't even start, it does don't not even, hit the no, same. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's, it's not slander. Neat. It's a it's an objective statement of a fact that Waco sucks. It's kind of neat now. I will say, like they've done a lot. Well, because um, they gentrified a a, a grain elevator. <laughs> Fair. It I mean, is part of it. it. It's, it's not it. really, like, I was fortunate the three years I lived there, the 
uh, the Magnolia itself bad, but, like, it has brought in business that has made it better. So, like, living there is not as horrible. Yeah, stuff like balconies and all yeah. that sort of good stuff. So, um, okay, I'll, I'm going to try to get onto the game here. Uh, yeah. Blake is absolutely right. It's so hard. It's like it's such a <laughs> it's a defining decision that I know these like little dweebs and student government were like we did something great. This is going to be legendary and it's getting right through the mud. Like people are actually like I think if they go to their respective like when they're getting employed and say they were the student body president at the time when this was decided they're not going to get hired. Like, it's getting to that point. Like, I know a former Twitter employee is, like, leading the charge through Baylor to, like, get rid of all this. Like, strip it. Like, strip all of his money away from the program just to, like, not have it be called the Blue Bonnet Battle. And so, it's, oh like, it's, it's so it's bad. Like, I'm hoping so whoever wins it this year just takes the trophy smashes it and then like i don't think anybody would be mad like i think everybody would be like wait well wait wait wait. so y'all have kendall bryles now so you can just play for a hashtag cab like towel a little flag yeah just yeah <laughs> the flag the the black and white flag that they are <laughs> the 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 art bryles memorial trophy perfect um, God, that no. was one of my favorite games because he stomped a mud hole in him it was great yes. okay. and it was like you we were bad I, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, you were. Uh, I need to get on with this. TCU is the pick. They're at home. Baylor's just given up. They're flat out done. Um, and, you know, TCU has a little bit of juice in them. I think they can get up for a big rivalry game, and I think they do. So, TCU minus 13 to play. Let's see what Jameson has to say. Favorites versus Baylor, and here I am. I'm having to pick Baylor on the weekend spread right now. Thank you. This is miserable. You just can't give me 13 points with TCU and Baylor. I don't believe in this Baylor team at all, but it just TCU is too error prone. People are going to be like, oh, they played Texas close. I get it. No, like They scored 14 points in like the last five minutes of that game. Like, TCU did not look like anything for the majority of that. And I understand, yes, look on the other side, Baylor. Uh, no, I'm just going to play the points here. It's as simple as that. I don't really don't have much analysis for this. I could see it going where TCU really handles this team because Baylor is just not it. They seem checked out, but I just don't believe in either team. So I'm just going to play the points. So give me. Oh, ball not knower. Ball not knower. <laughs> like, this is what Jameson, like, typically doesn't have ball not knower takes, but whenever he's not live on the podcast, he just decides to. To, oh, to just for that, know, like to not know yeah. ball, <laughs> to not Ty, know ball, you... <laughs> not know history, not know ball. Like it's... Ty, who do you like in this one? <laughs> Jameson had a whole segment uh, defending the blue bonnet battle uh, that I guess Bobby chose not to play. Um, anyways, I'll keep it short. Blake, there is hope for you, right? We finally did the right thing and moved away from the Red River Showdown, which was the worst rivalry name in the history of sports. Uh, thank God we moved it back to rivalry uh, if we couldn't use shootout. But okay. I have I have the Horn Frogs in this one. I like the Hoove. I like minus 13 because it's not 14.5. Give me those little toads. All right. 
Jamie this feels like a seventy to like this feels like a, like a seventy to th- fourteen game written all over it. It's please, like it was just it, don't, it's what, don't jinx it. Please don't it jinx brings, it. I need it to brings, not lose. We, we have an island boy on Jameson. Ty needs this. Needs this it brings it brings please. me. This is the game that brings me back in. We're not gonna make a bowl, but I'll remember. It's like because I remember our bad seasons by our rivalry wins. It's like when we have bad years. We somehow, we beat Baylor, we beat Tech, and sometimes we beat Texas. Actually, most of the time we beat Texas, as the statistics say. But, yeah, I, I need this one. If if we lose to Baylor this weekend, I'm on, I'm on watch. I'm officially oh, on watch. Okay, okay. All right, we're moving from one flower-named rivalry <laughs> to another. We've got the Sunflower Showdown between the Kansas State uh, Wildcats and the Kansas Jayhawks. A ranked one, uh, K-State ranked 21st in the country they are seven and three eight and two against spread uh trying to scrap their way to a big 12 championship appearance they're heading to lawrence to take on the 25th ranked jayhawks kansas who is seven and three five and five against the spread uh they were missing jason bean for the remain for a lot of uh last game uh almost squeaked out the win but got nipped at the end k-state favored by eight on the road you can find this one 6 p.m central on fs1 Ty, who do you like in this one? Yeah, hey, we're tight on time. I'm going to keep it tight. K-State, give me the Wildcats. I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going to go a little bit longer. So I know. I maybe it was a little too fast. <laughs> Bobby's still no, getting okay. Jameson pulled up. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's fine. We got him. We got him. We got him. All right. Kansas has eight-point dogs at home versus their rivals, Kansas State. I was thinking about this. I saw the spread, and I said, Kansas State, easy. This team is hot right now, and it just seems like they're just blowing out everyone they're playing. And that kind of sat on it throughout the week. Didn't really think much of it. Really thought about the other lines for a bit. Sat down today to record this, and I thought, Kansas is at home. They've been playing really good in big spots. They really have. I think they can keep it close. I don't think they'll win the game, but I think this will be a fun game to watch. Night game. Kansas having some fun this season. I think they can make it a little bit more fun with this rivalry matchup. Don't give me a Kansas win here, but I think they make it at least close enough to keep it within one score. Okay. Um, I like that. And here's my thing. I I don't think Kansas I'm not I'm not gonna dog on Kansas too much for that performance against Texas Tech. They showed a lot of flaws, they didn't look great. But ultimately, I feel like this K-State team is is just a notch better. I think this is going to be a good game, but I, I see Kansas State just squeaking out ahead at the very end, getting that cover. So give me the Wildcats minus eight here. Blake? Yeah, it, it hurts me to say this. I don't typically back K-State often. I think they're a little overrated. But as we discussed in last week's pod, Kansas State was almost like – it wasn't for Chris Kleiman's dumb decision to go for two. They would have beaten Texas. Like, the momentum was all in their favor, and you have to know he's a coach that, like, Kansas State is a small-time program, but they're so good at developing talent and finding under-the-radar guys. You've got to play like one of the big boys, and Chris Kleiman refuses to believe that. Jason Bean's going to play this game. Like, I looked up, Lance Leipold feels confident that, like, he's going to be out of concussion protocol, be fine to go. I just, I don't think that matters. It's like, 
Kansas State, I know they had to go towards Will Howard when it comes to the Texas game. You've got to give more consistency. You've got to be able to pass the ball. They can kind of do the little, like, Kansas has gimmicks. K-State has gimmicks whenever they do the two-quarterback system with Avery Johnson. And I think just feature him a lot because this Kansas team cannot stop the run. It's like the one thing they cannot do. If you put in Avery Johnson in that game, if Chris Kleiman does not get cute, I think they just run away with this one. It's like bad because I love Kansas. I love Kansas being good. I hope Lance Seipold stays there for a while because it's it's kind of nice. It's the only sport I root for Kansas for. I hate them in basketball, but they're not very good in baseball. So actually, maybe not the only sport, but I think, yeah, I just think if K-State goes back to getting cute, they're going to run away with this. So give me Kansas State. My thing with Kansas is I, I kind of did like them. I thought they were cute in football. And then I remembered that they're the same jerks who are Kansas basketball fans. That and is true. They are so insufferable in football, just the same. Like, it was it was, it was was pretty bad, um, you know, uh, a couple weeks back in Lawrence. But regardless, we move on. Let's move on to our next game. We've got a big one. And um, look, this is, this, this is a rare one. It's... Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners playing a 10 a.m. local start uh, game in mountain, mountain time against BYU. The 14th ranked uh, 14th ranked Oklahoma, eight and two overall, seven and three against the spread. Heading to Provo to take on the BYU Cougars, who are five and five, but an abysmal three and seven against the spread. Sooners favored by a whopping 24 and a half points. You can find this one on ESPN. Uh, Blake, who do you like? This one's surprisingly the hardest, even for Boomer Blake, the hardest on the slate, because we saw that video. We saw the video of the BYU podcasters, like, in tears, imagining <laughs> OU coming in to their house. And I think at the time they were like, imagine it at night, and BYU just, like, failed to remember that, like, they're now a part of a conference that can just move your times around whatever they want to. Like, you're not just always going to have night games as an independent. Boomer Blake's having a tough one on this, but I just think what Iowa State did last weekend just proves, like, this BYU team's just not good. They can't find out what's good at quarterback. They can't seem to move the ball. They're not very good on the defensive end. I think OU knows. The good thing is, it's like OU seeing OSU last weekend knows that team's vulnerable. Like, they know now that the tiebreaker, even though resolved, they're vulnerable. They're still going to crank teams. I, I, this OU team is just it's better than those two weeks that they they came out and just laid flat for like more we know the reasons why on offense but they're just a lot better than that they're a lot better than BYU I'm not afraid by the 24 and a half I just I think this is a blowout I BYU's not used to those early morning games OU is give me give me OU give me all the points I don't care yeah it's a big spread and I was a little bit of, I was a little bit wary going for it. I hate picking OU when they have this many points, but I feel like this team has kind of turned a corner with its aggression, um, with how they think they, I feel like they figured out their offense after the loss of Andrew Anthony, Drake Stoops is taking a much bigger role. The running game's improving. OU is really hitting their stride and let's just be upfront. This BYU team is really not good. A lot of people, I think looked at that, uh, Arkansas went early and thought 
oh, they might be pretty solid. You know, they've had a couple wins here and there. But, I, I mean, the, the record against the spread really speaks for itself. They they do not perform well uh, against how people... They, 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 they're, they're serial underperformers over and over again. The Big 12 slate has taken an absolute beating on them. They, it's, it's night and day from what they've been going up against usually. And I don't know. I, I, I would be wary of it, but I just genuinely think OU's turn a corner. Uh, Sooners cover 24 and a half um, just because it's the right play. Now, Jeff Levy could go back to his BS like he always does, but I just don't see it happening this time. I think we figured it out, which usually means this is where things go wrong. But I've got the Fruity Pebble Pickle spirit behind me. So, all right, let's move on to Jameson. See what he has to pick. Oklahoma versus BYU, 24 and a half point favorites on the road going to Provo. And, you know, thinking about this game, I've been quite the critic of this Jeff Lubby offense on the road because I think the fast pace can go wrong really easily if not all 11 players are on the same page. And whenever you're on the road, sometimes you don't hear the call or you don't see the call and it can kind of make things disjointed and have kind of broken drives. But it's BYU football team. I just don't think they can like keep it within seven per quarter to cover the spread. I think Oklahoma's offense should at least stumble into the end zone, let's say five times. Um, and then say a couple of field goals, and we're going to be really mad about it. I think BYU scores 10 points. So what is that? 41 to 10? That's a cover. Give me Oklahoma. I think the big keys here for Oklahoma to succeed is to play to your strengths. I think Dylan Gabriel ran the ball really well last week, and we were aggressive playing the QB run game. I see Gavin Sawchuk is doing things, but let's not try to experiment and make statements we're at this point in the season where we need to go and make sure that we're doing what's working and that is dylan gabriel run game and that's what i'm looking at and also on the defense danny stutzman should be healthier this week i think we found something with the combination of him and kip lewis i'm really excited to watch this defense as they continue to get healthier and healthier back to their original form at the beginning of the season so give me oklahoma to cover this one but i do not feel very confident about it all right, that's Jameson. Ty, what do you think? Yeah, look, it it is a lot of points. It's a lot of points for an OU team. Who knows what's going on with them this season? I think you know we made a big we made a big thing earlier in the podcast on a couple of games of ignore last week. It's only one data point. We could maybe make that argument for this OU team. I don't think they're in danger of losing this one, but. You know, you have to have 25 points to cover. That is a lot of points. Here's what I think OU has going for them, right? It's coaching carousel season. There's all sorts of openings opening up everywhere. Levy's got to put a good resume out there. Uh, if he truly does, like, hate Norman and and wants to leave, you know, I we're not going to get into the, the Levy thing again, but... I think OU has everything going for them in terms of we just really need to impress here. And, and I think we have a lot of stuff that is clicking for us. Again, the return of Danny Stutzman, I think, is going to be huge. Obviously, everything we broke down in the podcast on Sunday, if you haven't listened to it, um, in regards to the West Virginia win and then also the, the uh, BYU game coming up. I just don't think BYU has it in them. 
Um, you know, someone pointed out in the comments that BYU has never played a 10 a.m. game at home. I don't know if that's true, but it sure sounds true to me. OU well-versed in the 11 a.m. Central kickoffs. So give me the Oklahoma Sooners minus 24 and a half in Utah to take home a win, take home the cover. All right. It's a Sooner sweep there for this game. So let's move on to our favorite pick of the week. Why are the brakes working? Because I cut the brakes! Wild car, bitches! All right, look, it's the wild card pick. Look like James, looks like Jameson chimed in. He's hanging out in the comments, and I accidentally <laughs> removed our overlay. Uh, it's the wild card pick. We can pick whatever we want. So, Ty, kick us off here. Uh, as you're in last, you kick us off. Um, who do you got? Look, I'm not just saying this because Jameson is now tuned in live. I spent about 15 minutes desperately searching this slate, trying to figure out what Jameson's was. I guess I could have just gone into the stream yard actually and listened to his. Um, you could have. I'm not above doing that. I wish I would have thought of that because I would have done that and then just picked the same one as him just to frustrate him. But there were things on this slate too juicy to pass up. The hater in me wants to take Clemson minus seven. I get to cheer when Drake May throws two interceptions as he does against any competent opponent. I really like Boko minus Tree Fitty, but unlike Jameson, I am wise, and I know that Boko only hits the first time you pick it and then never again. Um, <laughs> Jameson will continue to learn that lesson, I suppose. That's the um, second straight pot of greed that he yeah. burnt on Boko in a year. Yeah. Two, yeah. Twice in a row. <laughs> Yeah, Boko playing uh, Texas State, playing Arkansas State, uh, if you weren't aware. So, I, I mean, I think that is a really, really good one to to take a look at. But there's a team that I love to pick, right? I, OU fans hate them. I understand why. I'm not happy about how it happened either. But you cannot deny, right, especially after watching Levy and everyone else that passes themselves off as an offensive genius. Lincoln Riley really is an offensive genius. Does he have a head coach? You know, should he be a head coach of a major program? Debatable. I think he's taking steps in the right direction, but he is an offensive genius. There's potential that this is maybe Caleb Williams' last ever college game people are talking about. They're playing USC. I, I should have USC playing UCLA. They're not playing USC. USC is playing UCLA. UCLA has a coach on the hot seat. They're trending downwards. They get a ton of hype. I really don't know why. I mean, they beat Washington State, I guess, and then Colorado if we're going to start to count non-bull-eligible teams as uh, as quality wins. But they just lost to both Arizona teams. You know, they've lost to Oregon State. They've lost to Utah. USC, seven-point favorites. I shocked myself. I thought I'd pick them more this season, but I've only picked them twice this season. I've lost both times. But uh, I think USC has a touchdown in them over UCLA in this crosstown rivalry. There's always that potential that a coach on the hot seat like pulls one out out of nowhere, which would be kind of funny, actually, if he wins the game and still gets fired. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not cheering for him to get fired, but that would just that would be objectively funny. Is yeah, beating your crosstown rival in a massive upset, and then they're like, "Hey, you're still done, buddy." But <laughs> give me the Trojans minus seven. I understand people are thinking that the wheels are falling off 
of this USC team. But I mean, you're talking about six and four UCLA here who doesn't have a DTR anymore, unfortunately, which has really been their kryptonite. So give me Caleb Williams to get at least a touchdown over the Bruins. I think that's fair. I think that, I think that actually is a really good pick because UCLA is also spiraling as you mentioned. All right, let's see what Jamison's wild card is. I'm very excited to see this. Wild card, baby. And we're back. And I understand I have to defend myself. I went 0 for 2, essentially, on non-weekend spread picks. With essentially. With not hitting. And then, ooh, Rice. I told you I wanted to get dirty with the last week. <laughs> I know JT Daniels wasn't playing. Probably should have looked at that a little bit closer. You would have been able to see it if you would have just looked it up. But still, whatever. That, that was fun. I like being a little bit different. Looking at the spreads this week across the slate, there is one that was clear and obvious to me that I thought was an easy, easy W. I'm going back, boys. We're going back, Boko. Come on, Boko. I got to get back on this train. I relax. It doesn't matter if you go on another week. It doesn't matter. I was clean for so long. I can delay keeping clean for another Oh my God. Couple of weeks until I get a Boku win, Boko win. You know, you know the Martingale betting strategy when you're playing roulette. You know, whenever you you spin the wheel and you say, "I'm going to put down two dollars on red," doesn't hit. I'm putting down four dollars on red. And guess what? If Boko doesn't hit, I'm going to put eight dollars on red next week. I don't want to spoil it, but guess what? I'm going to keep going because something's got to work. I got to get some Boko in my veins right now. I tried to get it last week and it didn't happen. I need it three and a half points as a favorite versus Arkansas State. And Oklahoma fans, you guys know Arkansas State. I wasn't impressed with that football team. Boko is a team I've been impressed with. I understand they didn't do well versus the Chanticleers, but, you know, that's a good football team this year. Give me Boko to get back on the horse as a minus three and a half point favorites. Y'all are laughing at me. Y'all are laughing at me. But y'all won't be laughing when you see Boko win by 25 points. Yeah, We're I said not... 25. That's a weird number. But just wait. It's going to happen. Putting it into 20... the manifestations of the universe. We're not laughing. Go, Boko. We're not laughing at Jameson. Uh, I think we're just disappointed. I'm sorry. There should be a rule. There should be a rule on the podcast where if you say they're going to win by this amount, you tie yourself to that and not the line. This is yeah. just – this is absurd, what he's just... doing to poor Boko. Boko, if... Boko had this one in the bag. That was a guaranteed dub. I talked about it. And now they're going to lose outright. So, thank so, you, Jameson. Dirty Arkansas State. That's 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 a shame. That's a they shame. are better. Like that's Jameson is like buying high on the first game of the season, and Butch Jones made a lot of changes there, changing quarterback, and they've actually been like a somewhat competent team since. Like competent in the Sun Belt, but somewhat competent. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, I'm just I'm just sad for Boko there. That's that's a bummer. All right, I'm going to do mine now, and look, I'm going to be up front. This is a dirty, dirty pick, but I'm going to go back to the well of one of my favorite strategies, and look, folks, the vibes are in the right place. I'm going with Northwestern plus three at home in the final game at Ryan Field against Purdue. Not only that, they're getting the uh, interim, you know, interim tag removed like boost for uh, David Braun, who has done a wonderful job with the Wildcats. You know, Northwestern has been shockingly good despite all of the, uh, you know, all the crap going on. They're five and five. 
So, you know what? I, I, I think that bolsters Northwestern. People are going to show up for this one because, again, last last game at uh, Ryan Field, last game at the old Ryan Field. Um, so it'll be packed for Northwestern. Uh, and, yeah, I'm going to go with the Wildcats here to get a to get a pretty big win over over Purdue. So fading Purdue once again. Blake, what are you thinking? Yeah, I guess next week is going to be the week I have to use my wild card. I thought people would put out a little bit more spicier takes, a little bit better. There was some on there. I thought somebody was going to do a little Clemson, North Carolina, North Carolina 7. I thought they were going to fall into that trap. I could take Clemson minus 7. Easy lock, but I don't like easy. I like certain. Give me UNLV plus three going to the mountains, going to Air Force. They're going to beat them outright. UNLV looks spectacular. That's the one thing that has been totally cast off this season is how great my boys in the desert have been building that. Their only losses has been to Fresno State, which their defense has played well. And their only other loss besides that to Michigan, a team that could win the national championship. Look, like, UNLV's cranking teams and like in a very spectacular way. I started the season with the whole Doug Brumfeld thing. Felt like he was the future. They finally moved on to him. They went to Jaden Mavia. And this guy is ripping teams apart. We saw it against Wyoming last week. Wyoming, a very competent Mount West team. Very like little down week. Beat him by 20. Beat him at, by 20 at home. The defense pulled up. The offense was moving the ball. I think they got down early in that game and were still able just to pull back because we we finally built something in the desert. It's, it's finally there. We are contending for a Mountain West title, and this matchup is perfect because it is the Mountain meets the West, and the West is going to prevail. Give me the Rebels. UNLV is just they're rolling. They're rolling. And don't even get me on Colorado State. Colorado State with a big win last week. Get them to four. They play New Mexico. They play, or is it New Mexico or Hawaii? But they also play Nevada. Oh, we're, we, we might be cashing. We might be cashing the biggest win total of my lifetime this week. Incredible. You know, hey, something's burning in the desert. You are right. You are right. Uh, so our wild cards this week. Uh, Ty has USC, Jameson has Texas State, I have Purdue, and Blake has UNLV. I thought you um, had Northwestern. Oh, yeah, Northwestern. My bad. What did I say? No, I you already used your mulligan. You no. said you have Purdue. Well, it's not <laughs> no, a mulligan. He no. was recapping. I, 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 have, I have not Purdue. I have, I'm fading Purdue. Um, my bad. My bad. Um, yeah, Blake, this is your last chance if you want to change your mind and use Pot of Greed. I will I will wait till next week. I just I'm hoping Jamison is live because I know he's gonna Jameson's in the chat. Blake true ball not knower, but have only true like tuned in for the wild card picks. Wait till he listens to some of his picks that he gave out uh during the podcast because some of them were truly egregious. So <laughs> uh I'll wait for him next week once I'm hoping actually Boko hits for him this week. He can get off that high, try to start going for some more games, and I can actually just, like, get an easy, easy uh, layup uh, on just fading Jameson in a wildcard pick. If yeah. he hits it, then he'll hit it again. Maybe. Ooh. Who do they play That's next the week? Thing. 
who is Boko playing on Rivalry Week? That's that's a question right there. Um, yeah, but next week, last regular season week of the weekend spread, will of course do the conference championships, but it's just not the same, you know. Once you move on from regular season, wow. but um, guys, I don't know if you've noticed this uh, this year, but you know, usually we do a throwback week, and we haven't had the opportunity this week uh, or this year, but with next week being the last Big 12 game for Oklahoma, I decided let's throw it back, but not too far back. Let's throw it back to the best era of Big 12 football across the board. We're looking at the early 2000s. We're aye, getting, aye. <laughs> we're getting weird across the board. A tribute to the 2000s Big 12 coming Monday because of the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. So we are, we're getting weird with it. So lots of lots of really crappy graphics lots of uh slightly old gra- like logos that aren't that old it'll be interesting but uh it's a tribute a beautiful to nonetheless oh definitely gorgeous it's it's a tribute to gradients and weird fonts and all of that so we're we're, we're paying tribute back when big Tw- the big 12 was king when we had national champions when we had great programs in the conference like Nebraska and Missouri, <laughs> Colorado, Texas A&M, you know, BCS contenders, that sort of stuff. That's the Big 12 I'm going to miss. I'm not going to miss this garbage Bush League conference. I'm going to miss back when we were uh, when we were a proper league. So we're, we're going to say goodbye in the way we know best uh, through, I don't know, minorly creative overlays. But uh, guys, any final statements before we head on I- out? I have to say, this has been a, I've noticed it because I'm in the hot seat here, but Jameson and I are separated by three and counting the wild card, uh, we didn't fully update the the spreadsheet in progress and and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure we are different on four picks this week. So you never know what can happen. I might bury myself. Most likely it'll just be a wash, but exciting things weird we're truly going down to the very last week again so at least there's there's some fight left in this yep no i th- i feel like it every single year we have an interesting race coming into co- uh, like the conference final weekend and i think same thing's going to apply here i hope ty gets that three and one boosts it up a little bit let's keep the race interesting i just think about i just think about last year when i thought i was safe i was with you and jameson on every pick and then bobby just zag 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 and we laughed in his face and then i lost <laughs> I, I, I crawled my way up from the grave <laughs> and then he just went under like not undefeated but just a monstrous island week <laughs> in the final <laughs> week and then i was like Oh no. <laughs> great times. That was, that was great moments in weekend spread history, but well, that's all we have for this week. We'll see you back on Monday uh, to talk the final week of the regular season. Hope y'all all have a great week. <laughs> Not the Spider-Man PS3 font. Yep. You know, I had to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had to overuse that. Um, hope y'all have a great week. Enjoy the college football while it lasts. And we will see y'all next time. Good luck out there, folks.